It's been said that Thanksgiving is there to make you fat, Christmas is there to make you fatter, and New Year's is to help you lose it all. So uh, with, with that kind of train of thought in mind, all right, and moving into the new year, 20,000, 2019, maybe there are some New Year's resolutions that you've had in mind. Maybe there's some things that you've thought about that you want to change in your life. Maybe it's things related to physical health. Maybe it's things related to your job, to your family, to your home. Whatever the case, I would encourage you the next couple of days, right, this afternoon and tomorrow, moving into Tuesday, I want you to think and reflect over your life this past year, 2018. What have you done with the year that God gave you? What does he want you to do with the new year that he's giving to you? What does he want you to do in 2019? So reflect back on this last year and think about the new year. And as I was processing over what I'd preach this Sunday, moving into the new year, out of the old and into the new, I couldn't help but come back to something that all of us have heard many times as Christians. And you've probably been encouraged to do this. I know you have by me from this pulpit. And it's something so simple that we kind of think, why do we have to hear this again? But I think we need to. I want you to look back over this past year right now and think, how much time have I spent with God in His Word? How much time have I read my Bible? How much time have I studied my Bible? How much time have I taken to actually listen to what God has to say to me in His Word? And then I want you to think about 2019. How are you going to spend time with God in His Word over this next year? How often are you going to read the Bible? Do you have a Bible reading plan that you're going to use? When are you going to take the time each day to spend with the Lord studying the Word that He's given to us? Let's go to John chapter 8 this morning. Nick read a few verses from there already. But John chapter 8, was pick up in verse 28... It's here that Jesus is having a conversation with a lot of people. And Jesus always spoke the truth. And sometimes it hurt. Uh, sometimes it hurt deeply. Sometimes it hurt emotionally. And there's a few folks in this crowd that don't like what Jesus said. There's a few folks that didn't like what he said that didn't do anything about it. A few folks that did something about what he said because they realized the error of their ways. And so as you think about your life over this past year and moving into the new year, maybe this is a conversation you really don't want to have. Well, we're going to have it anyways. All right? John chapter 8, verse 28. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So in these three verses, I want you to notice something. Jesus is speaking to people. That might be something very simple, and it is, but yet Jesus speaking to people is what changed people's hearts and people's lives. When he spoke and people listened... They came to a point where they had to make a decision. Are we going to believe what Jesus says 
or are we going to reject what Jesus says? And then they had another point of decision. Those who believed what Jesus said. They had to come to this point of, are we going to do what Jesus says? Or are we not going to do what Jesus says? Not just are we going to believe is Jesus' message true, but are we going to act upon the truth that we've now received? Jesus told them in no unmistakable terms that one day they would realize exactly who he was and how he was speaking the things he, would, he had been saying. He told them that when they lifted up the Son of Man that they would know, I am he. There's a lot loaded in these few phrases. This phrase, when you lift up the Son of Man, kind of makes us want to go back to John chapter 3 when Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus. And he told Nicodemus that like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus would be lifted up on the cross. And when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, there were people who would recognize, oh, that's who he is. You remember one of the Roman centurions standing there on the hill where Jesus was nailed to the cross. As soon as he was lifted up on the cross and left there to die, that Roman soldier said, truly this was the Son of God. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Throughout John's gospel, Jesus makes these great I am statements is what I call them. He'll tell people that He is the bread of life. He'll tell people that He is the resurrection and the life. He'll say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He'll say, I am the true vine. And all throughout these I am statements, we're seeing Jesus' identity, who He is. But interspersed throughout the Gospel of John is also this three-word phrase that's really two words in Greek, but our English translations translate it this way, I am He. Really, you could translate it like this, I am. In Greek, it's the phrase, ego, I, me. Over in the Old Testament, we see God the Father speaking to Moses this way, I am who I am. Jesus is telling the people who are gathered there that day that when he was lifted up to be crucified on the cross, the people who were there and who would take notice of him would realize that he was God incarnate. That is, Jesus is God in human flesh. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. That would be a pretty tough way to finally realize that Jesus was God in flesh, wouldn't it? You've been listening to Him. You've been hearing about Him. You've been seeing His miracles. And you think, man, there's something different about that guy. But it's not until He's lifted up on the cross that the crowd, many in the crowd would realize, oh, that's who Jesus is. And there's something interesting about this Jesus. He's God in flesh, but He's God the Son. In fact, earlier in verse 28, He refers to Himself as the Son of Man. He's a representative of humanity, but He's also God's representative, the Son of God. He says, I don't do anything of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. This is what's really neat to me about Jesus. When he came to earth, he didn't make up stuff to help us know who God is. He came telling us what God the Father in heaven wanted us to hear. 
He came to these people explaining to them, preaching to them about the kingdom of God. And everything that he said came directly from his Father in heaven. He was doing what God sent him to do. And then Jesus went on to say this, I'm not here alone. The one who sent me is still with me. He lives in me. I live in him. He hasn't left me alone. I'm not an orphan here on this earth from heaven. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. This is something else that grabs my attention. Jesus said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Is that not amazing to you? We just stop and think about this. Every single moment of your life, not just 2018, but all the way back to the beginning when you were born, what if you had lived all of your life and everything that you had done was pleasing to your Father in heaven? Would that not be remarkable? Jesus says, that's me. That's what I have done. Jesus didn't have to stop and reflect back on a previous year of his life to see how he'd lived it. He just lived in the presence of God the Father every day, moment by moment, doing what his Father sent him to do, doing what his Father asked him to do, listening to his Father in heaven and acting upon that word. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Verse 30 says this, As he spoke these things, many, not all, but many came to believe in him. Jesus came from God and God was with him. When Jesus spoke, Jesus was speaking the words of his Father in heaven. And as he spoke those words, people had to come to a point of decision. Are we going to believe what he says or are we not? Are we going to believe what he says or are we not? And this is the decision that everyone has to come to at some point in their life. When they hear about the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, we either choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross to save us, we choose to believe that he rose again from the dead, or we say, nah, that's not for me, nah. I don't believe that. At this point, when folks heard this message, many came to believe in him. I want to ask you if you've made that decision in your own life. Maybe you made it in 2018 as you reflect back on the previous year that you lived. Maybe you made that decision a long time ago. When you heard the message that Jesus came to save you from your sins, did you believe that message? Or did you reject it? If you rejected it, you have the opportunity right here and right now to respond in faith, to believe that Jesus died for you and rose again. You have that opportunity. That's why I'm sharing this message with you. That's why the Lord wants me to stand behind this pulpit so you can hear that and be saved. But is that all there is to Christianity? Is all there is coming to believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, getting our ticket to heaven punched, and then being done with it? No, that's not the case. In fact, Jesus continued the conversation in verse 31. Now keep in mind, there are some people in this crowd who've just come to believe in him. 
as he's teaching, as he's talking and they're listening. There's others who have heard, but they don't believe. They continue to listen to what Jesus says here, but it doesn't help them grow in their faith because they don't believe in Jesus at all. They don't want to listen to what he's saying. In verse 31, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. To the Jews who had believed him. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Here's the reason why I want you to evaluate how much time you've spent with God and His Word over this past year. Jesus says, if you're truly His disciple, then you won't just have believed in Him for salvation, but you'll continue to follow Him each and every day and moment of your life. That's the truth. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, not the crowds who had not believed, that conversation happens later, and they get real mad at him if you read the rest of John chapter 8. But for those who believed in Jesus, he told them, if you want to follow me, you have to continue listening to me. This morning in our Sunday school class, Josh Clem is, is my Sunday school teacher. And he asked us this question. He says, what does a faithful servant of God look like? Things that immediately came to my mind were somebody who listens and obeys, right? I mean, if you want to talk about a faithful servant of God, look no further than Jesus himself. Who lived every moment of his life always doing the things that were pleasing to his Father in heaven. How did he know what was pleasing to his Father in heaven? He listened to him. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to share whatever was on my mind. I came to share what God told me to share. I came to speak what God told me to speak. The only way Jesus would have known what to say is if he had listened to his Father in heaven. And when he listened to his Father in heaven, he acted upon what his Father told him to do. You see, there's something... That belief produces in the Christian life. And it's called obedience. We're not saved by our obedience. I mean, understand this. Remember I asked you that question? What if you had lived all of your life, every moment of your life, not just 2018, but all the way back to the beginning? What if you lived every moment of your life and did everything pleasing to God? There's only one person who's done that. His name's Jesus. Jake hasn't, J.R. hasn't, Ms. Lila hasn't, Stephanie hasn't. Nobody in this room, nobody in this world, nobody in the history of mankind has obeyed God perfectly all throughout their lives. We're all sinners and we all fall short of God's glory. We're not saved by our obedience. We need to be saved because of our disobedience. We're saved by Jesus' obedience. That is, Jesus listened to what His Father told Him to do. And there would come a day when his father told him, Jesus, you're going to go to the cross. And Jesus would go to the cross and be obedient to his father to the point of death, even death, by Roman crucifixion, where he would die for the sins 
of the world. We're not saved by good works we do. We're saved by the work Jesus has done for us when he died on the cross for our sins. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by obedience. But listen, we grow in our faith only through obedience. Did you know that? That's the only way for you to grow in your Christian faith. That's the only way for you to increase in your walk with God. That's the only way for you to know God more. That's the only way for you to experience His love and His blessing on your life. It's just the truth. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, there might be some debate here as to what Jesus' word is in verse 31, right? If you continue in my word. But folks, the great way that God speaks to his people here and now in our day and time in New Testament churches is through his word. It's through the pages of scripture. It's through the Bible. I mean, the Bible itself is how we have recorded for us the life of Jesus. It's how we know what he taught. It's how we know what he did, the miracles that he performed. If we're not spending time with God and his word on a daily basis, could we say that we're continuing in the word of Jesus? That we're truly his disciples? Continue. Not just believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. We start there. We accept Jesus' death and resurrection by faith. We trust Him as Lord. We give our lives to Him by faith. Not by works. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God so that no person can boast. But Jesus says, don't stop there. Continue. That is, keep going. Grow. Increase. Deepen. Spread. Blossom. Bear fruit. The only way to do that is to continue in His Word. And if we do that, then we're truly His disciples. The word disciple simply means follower. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to listen to what Jesus says. And you got to do what Jesus says, right? So Jesus says, if you continue in my word... That is, if you keep listening to me, if you'll spend time with me and listen to what I'm telling you to do, you'll be disciples of mine, true disciples. And if you're true disciples, then you will know the truth. You will know the truth. Man, what would it be like to walk through every day and every moment of life knowing the truth? Not just knowing what people think about things. Not just formulating your personal opinion. But knowing how God sees something. Knowing what God wants. Knowing His will for your life. Knowing what God wants in a specific situation. What would it be like to know the truth at all times? Here's what Jesus says will result. If you continue in his word, you'll know the truth. And here's what the truth produces. Freedom. 
liberty. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To live a life of absolute freedom in Christ. To live a life where you're at liberty to do what God has created you and called you to do as a Christian. As His creation. It starts by choosing to take the time to spend with God in His Word. I was at a conference a few few weeks ago. It was back in November at Lifeway, the big building there in Nashville, Tennessee. And Lifeway, has, they're always doing some type of research in Southern Baptist churches throughout our denomination. And here's a study that they had done over a period of 10 years. They said the three keys for Christian growth and church growth are these. There's a lot of good things that we can do as Christians. There's a lot of good things people do as churches. But here's what we've noticed. Going from three to number one, right? Three was attending a weekly corporate worship service. That is gathering together with other believers like we're doing right here now on a Sunday morning and worshiping God together. That's good. It'll help you grow in your faith in Christ. Help you grow in your, in your Christian walk. Number two was meeting in a weekly Sunday school class, small group, or Bible study. Some place where you had a smaller group of Christians within the body of Christ where you could pray for each other and fellowship with each other and study God's word together, go a little bit deeper, ask questions, uh, share your faith with others, uh, do evangelism through Sunday school or or, or a Bible study or a discipleship group, something like that. But then the number one indicator for Christian growth, for spiritual maturity, was daily Bible study. Daily Bible study. Robbie Gallaty, who's done a lot of work for, uh, for Lifeway um, over in Nashville. He's a pastor of a church uh, just north of Nashville. Uh, tweeted this this week. Nick sent it to me a little bit earlier. He was involved in some of that research that they had done. And here's what he said. After 10 years of research, Lifeway states two things about maturity. Number one, Bible engagement is the number one spiritual discipline for growth. And number two, Bible engagement affects every other discipline. People who engage the Bible give more, they go more, and they evangelize more. And then he said, read the Bible this year. Lifeway had also done some research amongst their churches back in 2015 about how much Southern Baptists were actually reading their Bibles. And 11% said that they had actually read the entire Bible, right? 9% of those 11 said that they had read the Bible all the way through, or they'd read it multiple times. 46% said that they've only read a few verses or passages. Just stop and think about this. You really want to stop and think about this. This might shock you. It makes me kind of sad. 46% of Southern Baptists hardly ever pick up their Bibles and read it. And we say that we believe this is the Word of God. 
We say believe, we believe that Jesus, the one that this Bible talks about, came to save us. I mean, look, you can believe Jesus died for your sins and rose again and spent eternity in heaven. That's awesome and wonderful. That's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. But if you're going to spend eternity in heaven with the God who made you and sent his son to die for you, don't you want to know him a little bit before you get there? A little bit better? Don't you want to live your life here and now so that it counts for the eternity you're going to spend with him? Kind of going along with the same type of research, there was a book written a few years ago called Unstuck. And it was talking about moving churches and believers from this, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, so I'm good and there's nothing else to worry about, to the point where they actually wanted to walk with God on a daily basis. That they wanted to do what God had created them to do. They wanted to live the life God had given to them, to honor and glorify Him. And here's, uh, here's what the, the authors, uh, Arnie Cole and Michael Ross, here, here's what they discovered. Our lives are dramatically different when we're engaged with Scripture four or more times a week. There are significant differences, I'm going to quote them for the next couple minutes. There are significant differences in the moral behaviors and spiritual maturity of believers who read or listen to the Bible at least four times a week compared to those who read or hear Scripture less often or never at all. In fact, such engagement motivates service for God and impacts the world for Him through helping in church, loving the unlovely, and reaching out to the needy. This finding alone is truly groundbreaking because the Bible changes our lives. We can be radically better, actually strengthened and renewed, if we allow God to speak to us through His Word. That is, if we listen to Him through what He says and ponder what it means. Getting powered by four is key. There are no statistical differences in the behaviors of those who read, listen to the Bible one to three times weekly, and those who spend zero days doing so. Now stop and think about how we structured a lot of our churches, right? If, you, if, if all you ever did was go to church, how many times would you pick up the Bible a week? Probably about three. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, right? But those who spent four days reading God's Word experienced change. That is, those who picked up the Bible and read it for themselves... And then they go on to say this, that is the lives of Christians who rarely read the Bible appear identical to those who don't follow Christ at all. Did you catch that? Let me read that to you again. The lives of Christians who rarely read the Bible appear identical to those who don't follow Christ at all. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine. If you don't continue in his word, on the other hand, who's going to be able to tell the difference? Who's going to know you're following Jesus? After all, if you don't take the time to listen to him, how are you going to know what he wants you to do? The authors of this little book, Unstuck, kept saying, we must engage the Bible four or more times a week, receiving God's word, reflecting on God's word, responding to God's word. For one thing, when we're engaged in it, the growth we experience builds a protective factor within us. Specifically, for example, we're less likely to take part in negative and soul-robbing behaviors like viewing pornography, abusing drugs, giving in to drunkenness, and engaging in sex outside of marriage. Those were just some of the behaviors they were able to recognize a significant statistical difference 
between Christians, ones who read the Bible and ones who don't. We never grow past our response to Jesus' word. Do you know that? We won't. We can't. It doesn't work that way. If we want to grow in our faith, we've got to take the time to listen to what Jesus has to say to us. It may look like this. 2018 for you might have started off well, man, maybe you had a plan to read the Bible through in a year, and you made it till Leviticus, and you threw your hands up in the air and said, ah, I'm done with this. Maybe you did great for the first six months, and then something happened, and you had to have surgery, and you got out of the habit, and then you tried to pick it back up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you didn't even think about trying to read God's Word, spend time with Him each and every day this last year. Whatever the case, that's 2018. So, take a good look at it and say, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go back to trying to live my life without knowing what God wants me to do, without spending time with Him and His Word. Rather, this year, I want to spend time with God every day in Scripture. And maybe you need to set a goal to spend time with God every single day in His Word. Maybe like these people in Unstuck Notice, you're like, Jake, I don't know if I could spend time every day, all seven days, in God's Word. You know, I'd miss a day and then feel like I failed and never be able to do it again. Maybe you just need to make a commitment to spend four days a week reading God's Word. Taking time just to read a few verses. Think about what those verses are saying and responding to those verses in obedience out of what God's asking you to do. Here's kind of what I do, my Bible reading. You'll be able to see how I've failed here the last few days over the holidays. In your Sunday school book, if you guys are part of a Sunday school class here at our church, on page 6, there's a little daily Bible reading plan. Man, it'll take you through just a few verses each and every day. If you'll just read through those verses... Ask the Lord to speak to your heart. He'll show you whatever He wants to show you. And then you've got the choice from that point, right? You don't have to wonder what God's will is. You just have to ask, your, after, you have to ask yourself if you're going to do God's will. If you're going to act upon what He's told you to do. However you choose to do this, whether it's a Bible reading plan on you version, or you pick up one of those uh, read the Bible in one year Bible reading plans, or you read through like a devotional material like Stand Firm or Journey or uh, Open Windows or Our Daily Bread, you've got to find a something, some way, somehow, sometime, someplace to get alone with God and spend time with Him. And there's some people that are, well, Jake, you know, you make that into a religious ritual and you think that God's mad at you if you don't spend time in His Word every day. No, I don't think that God's mad at you. I think God just knows how much of a blessing you're going to miss in your life if you don't take time to listen to Him. He wants to talk to you every day. He wants you to know more of Him. He wants you to know what He has for you to do that day. And if you don't take the time to listen to Him and get your marching orders from the day, you're going to be wandering around in circles not knowing what God has for you to do in life. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples and you'll know the truth. The reason that the majority of Christians who don't know God's will don't know God's will is simply because they won't read the Bible. You ever thought about that before? Really, that should be one of the first questions that comes to mind. God, I don't know what you want me to do. 
Well, have I gone back to God's Word and have I read God's Word lately? Have I been listening to Him for direction, instruction, and guidance? I'm not telling you that when you pick up the Bible, every time instantaneously God's going to say, you need to go here and do this today. But you'll have some general direction for life. And you'll have godly wisdom that you'll need to encounter whatever things you face throughout the day and the week and the next year. And the truth will set you free. When God speaks to us through His Word, it trumps everything else. A lot of what holds Christians back in the church and a lot of what holds the church's impact our ability to make difference in the world around us is sin that we harbor in our own hearts. It's things that we won't let go of. Jesus goes on to talk to these people in a few verses later about being slaves to sin. Do you know it's possible to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ yet still be enslaved or chained to some sin you've been dragging and carrying around? How do you get rid of that? The only way you're going to want to is if you spend time with God and His Word. And He points out in your life and in your heart, there's sin here, Jake, you need to confess. There's things you need to repent of. There's people you need to apologize to and ask forgiveness from. You need to get your life right with me in these areas. The only way that happens is if you spend time with God and His Word. And when you do, He'll show you what He wants to show you. He'll help you hear what He needs to say. And then you got the point of decision to act on what he's saying or not. Because if the Son sets you free, then you'll be free indeed. Jesus has the power and authority to give us freedom from enslavement to sin. We're either free in Christ or we're slaves to sin. You get to choose how you want to live your life. It's that simple. You choose how you live your life. You can either live it in freedom in Christ... Or you can live it enslaved to sin. So over this, these next couple of days, as you think about 2019 and the kind of life that you want to live for the Lord, I want you to keep in mind that if you want to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to Him, if you want to live a life where you know the truth, you know what God wants for you to do, you know how God sees you and sees everyone else. And you know how God views the world. If you want to live a life of freedom, not burdened and tied down by sin in your heart and in your life, then you've got to come to the understanding that you'll only know the truth and you'll only be set free if you continue in Jesus' word. And you've got to start somewhere. If you've already been reading the Bible, continue reading. And continue acting upon what God is showing you. If you haven't been spending time with God and His Word, make that your number one priority. Not just a New Year's resolution that you forget at the end of January, but something that you take with you throughout the rest of the year and throughout the rest of your life. I want to take time to listen to what Jesus has to say to me. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you need to be spending time with God and His Word. You're a Christian, but you haven't been reading your Bible. You haven't been listening to what God's wanting you to do, what He wants you to hear. You haven't been taking the time to allow Him to speak to your heart. 
Maybe here and now in this service, you need to make a renewed commitment to it. To this day, picking up your Bible and saying, God, speak to my heart. I want to know you. I want to know your will. And I want to do what you want me to do with my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you can't continue in Jesus' word because you've never come to believe it in the first place. I can tell you this, Jesus is the one who will tell you the truth every time. Even if it hurts. But the only reason he'll let it hurt is so that you can have healing. And so you can experience joy and peace and life in your own heart and your own life. Maybe here and now today you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to come to the point and say, look, I've heard about Jesus before. I heard he died for my sins and rose again. But I've never believed in him. And today I want to make that decision. Maybe that's you here today. If it is, I'm standing down here in the front as this song is played. I encourage you to come and just say, Jake, I need to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you need to come and kneel at the steps of this altar. And just renew your commitment to continue in his word. Perhaps God is speaking to your heart in another way this morning. Maybe you need to join our church or maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe God is calling you to ministry and you need to surrender to that call on your life. As God calls you this morning.